We're continuing our summer series on spiritual practices. These are ways we can experience God. We talk a lot about what we believe about God or what we think about God. But this summer, we're talking about practices that help us feel God or get in touch with the movement of the Spirit in our lives. These are things we do maybe on a regular basis that help us experience our faith. And our practice for this morning is reading scripture in community, which we do every single week. So you can check this one off. You do a great job of this one already, of reading scripture in community. So this morning, we're going to spend some time reflecting on it because it's so regular that we may not notice it or think about how it shapes us. We're going to spend some time reflecting on it and thinking about the impact it has in our lives. And we're going to do this in a couple of ways. Part of it may feel unusual or uncomfortable at first. I'm going to read the story, and then I'm going to take a page out of our weekly Bible studies and ask you to name things you notice in the story. So I'll ask for your feedback. If you are regularly in one of our Bible studies, I invite you to go ahead and stick your hand up and help other folks sort of feel comfortable with this. So you'll name things you notice. Those might be things you like or things you want to argue with or things you wonder about. And we'll name some things we notice. And then I'll share my reflections on the text after that. So that's how it's going to work this morning. Our text is from Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. It's on page 604 in your pew Bible, if you want to follow along. Nehemiah tells the story of what happened after the people were in exile when they came home to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was destroyed, so when they repatriated, they had to rebuild the city, and they rebuilt the temple, and this took a long time. And then when they had finally rebuilt the city and rebuilt the temple, then at last, they unearthed their sacred scripture and read it together as a community for the first time. And this is the story of that reading. So from Nehemiah chapter 8. When the seventh month came, and the people of Israel all settled in their towns, all the people gathered together in the area in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the instruction scroll from Moses, according to which the Lord had instructed Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the instruction before the assembly. And this assembly was made up of both men and women and anyone who could understand what they heard. And now most uh, interpreters take this anyone who understand what they heard to mean children, children old enough to understand. And facing the area in front of the water gate, he read it aloud from early morning until the middle of the day. He read it in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and everyone listened attentively to the instruction scroll. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that had been made for this purpose. 
And standing beside him were Mattatiah and Shema and Aniah and Uriah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right-hand side. While Padiah and Mishael and Malkijah and Hashum and Hashbadana and Zechariah and Meshalem stood on his left-hand side. Standing above all of the people, Ezra the scribe opened the scroll in the sight of all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood up. And then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all of the people answered, Amen, Amen, while raising their hands. And then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And the Levites, Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Yamin and Akub and Shebatiah and Hodiah and Maseah and Kalida and Azariah and Josabad and Hanan and Peliah, they all helped the people to understand the instruction while the people remained in their places. And they read aloud from the scroll, the instruction from God, explaining and interpreting it so the people could understand what they heard. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all of the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. They said this because all the people wept when they heard the words of the instruction. Go, eat rich food, and drink something sweet, he said to them, and send portions of this to any who have none. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't be sad, because the joy from the Lord is your strength. The Levites also calmed all of the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Don't be sad. And then all the people went to eat and drink and to send portions and to have a great celebration, because they understood what had been said to them. The word of God for the people of God. So what do you notice? What did you notice as we read? What did you notice in our passage? Lots of crazy names. That's right. I practiced this week. <laughs> what else did you notice? Yeah, Meg? Yeah. yeah. So the instruction scroll was probably the Torah. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So it would have started with, in the beginning, God created those stories we love. And maybe if they read till noon, they got into some of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob stories. Yeah. Marie? Uh-huh, Muslim prostration, right. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say. Yeah, at least by the time the Levites go out and explain it, they seem to be upright, so they can talk. Yeah, but that it, yeah, it's a vivid image, isn't it? Yeah. So you picture them standing as it's read. Yeah, all morning long, which is wild. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely, David. Watergate. <laughs> right. Right, so it wasn't the hotel in D.C. where they were. The Watergate was on the east side of the city, right outside of the temple. 
So it was a place where you could stand and see the temple, but because it wasn't on the temple grounds, everyone could be there. So men and women could be right next to each other, children could be there, non-Jews could be there, and folks who were ritually impure. Everyone could be in this place together. Yeah. Anything else? That's right. We don't. Yeah, there's both. I hadn't thought about that. That's great, George. Yeah, I like that. Anything else? So a couple of things I noticed as I read this and that uh, we noticed this week in Bible study. One is something that several of you picked up on is how inclusive this text is. It's incredibly inclusive. It's held at the Watergate, like we just mentioned, where everybody could be together. It goes to pains to say men and women and children were all there. This is not like one of the stories where it says there were 500 men and some women and children too. This lists everybody on the same footing, men and women and children together. And we often think of the scriptures and biblical cultures as being hierarchical. But this says that Ezra read at the request of the people. So he didn't decide on his own that you should all listen to this. They asked him to do this. It's this incredibly democratic view of scripture. That it's not something that's just for people with a seminary degree or just priests or just grown-ups, or just good people. Scripture in community is for everybody, for all of us. And then the second thing I noticed was that it said it needed interpretation. So it said a couple of times that folks understood or they wanted to understand. And then it said 13 Levites, and I read all of those 13 names, 13 Levites went out, Levites are priests, 13 Levites went out and explained the scripture to everybody so that everybody could understand. And what I love about that is that there is no way all 13 of them thought exactly the same thing about scripture, right? There's an old saying that wherever there are two rabbis, there are three opinions. <laughs> Might also be true of us, right? So there were 13 folks going out and sharing their own understanding, all these different understandings trickling through the crowd, which means there's no one right way to read scripture when we read it in community, which might feel counterintuitive to how maybe some of us grew up reading scripture. If we grew up in a more conservative context, like the Southern Baptist one I grew up in, the focus was on finding the one right interpretation. And that's not only true in conservative contexts. When I went off to seminary, a very, very liberal seminary, the same sort of dynamic was at work. We focused on historical readings of scripture, but the same attitude that we have the right way to read scripture. 
and all those other ways that those yokels do back home, what do they know about reading scripture? It was the same dynamic of thinking there was one right way. But back here in Nehemiah, they have 13 people interpreting it as they see fit, as they understand it. In a lot of ways, ancient readers were more sophisticated than we are today. They assumed that any text had multiple meanings. So St. Augustine, one of the fathers of the church, said that every text has at least five meanings. It has a literal meaning, a historical meaning, a psychological meaning, a moral meaning, and a metaphorical or allegorical meaning. What if we started reading every scripture assuming there were at least five different meanings? Or 13 different meanings? Scripture is like a diamond that has facets, and every way you turn it, you catch a glimpse of something else. Which is why we need to read it in community, because we need each other. Of all our scriptural practices, all our spiritual practices this summer, I think this is probably the most countercultural, except for maybe the practice of Sabbath. This is a spiritual practice where we need each other. All of the others are private and personal, things we can do on our own where we can be independent, which we kind of like as Americans. But for this one, we need each other. You can't read scripture in community off by yourself. We have to get together and read together. On Sundays, today, it may look like I'm just up here pontificating all on my own. And it's true, I get to do the lion's share of the talking. But hopefully, it's not just my voice that we're hearing. Before Sunday morning, I get together with two different groups of Bible studies here at the church, one Monday night and one Tuesday morning. And through that, a dozen or more folks are reading scripture together. And then I get together with a group of pastors, and we read it together. And that's another set of eyes and voices around the text. And then we come together, and those voices trickle through, and there's some kind of magical alchemy that happens in this room together. It's not the same as reading it online later or listening to it alone. There's something that happens when we're next to each other, reflecting on it adds meaning to it. It says in the text that the people wept when they heard it and then rejoiced. And that happens here too. Almost every week before the service is over, someone has wept. And almost every week before the service is over, some of our faces have beamed with joy. And someone down the pew is scribbling notes intently, and someone else is getting some rest they needed. <laughs> we bring 
a variety of experiences and interpretations. And when we get together, something happens that's greater than the sum of the parts. This is a spiritual practice. And we do it together. Every week, you do it. So the invitation today is to be aware of that. To bring that awareness and intention in with you each week. If the only spiritual practice you have in your life is coming to worship on a regular basis, that's great. That's plenty. That is a life-changing spiritual practice. We can see that in our elders. Folks who've been doing this for 30 or 40 years. If you've been around for very long or part of other faith communities, you know the people I'm talking about. The people who've been doing this for a long time and their faith is more alive somehow, deeper somehow. You can tell they've been shaped. That's why I come, because I want to be like them. I want to be shaped over time and grow up into that kind of Christian. So I want to invite you to know what it is we're doing when we get together. Know it has value. And come as often as you can, weekly if you can swing it. Not to add guilt to your life, but just because this shapes us. This has power a spiritual practice that can change us. This is the best part of my week. Every week. I am so thankful for this community to read scripture with. Amen.